What's up, Irish fans, and welcome back to the Slancher Route. We got a great episode for you today. Some Slap the Sign writers join me to talk about the upcoming 2020 NFL Draft and share their thoughts on some of the Notre Dame players in that draft. Now, before we get to that conversation, we have a quick word about Anchor. All right, I am now joined by four of my colleagues and friends from Slap the Sign. Um, with me now, I have Nathan Erbach, Mason Plummer, Matt Clark, and Connor McJunkin. Um, fellas, how you doing today? I obviously stuff over audio. So, Nathan, let's start with you. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Just uh, hoping we get some sports here soon. Amen. How about you, Mason? I'm doing all right. Trying to stay busy. Um, not a lot to really cover at the moment, but uh, I'm doing online classes at Ball State in Indiana, so that's kind of annoying. But uh, yeah, like I said, staying busy and uh, trying to stay healthy. A lot going around. And Matt, how about yourself? Uh, I can't complain. I mean, at least I've got the uh, warmth and sunshine of North Carolina down here, so uh, you know I can get outside. Unlike some of the other people, so it hasn't the the lockdown hasn't been quite as uh, brutal for me. Yeah, you and Nathan both. Um, as someone living in Chicago right now, I definitely definitely envy you guys. And last but not least, Connor, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I guess you know as good as one can be doing right now. Just sitting. I'm in Kentucky, so I'm kind of in the middle grounds, but it, the weather's been pretty good here. So just kind of, like Nathan said, ready for sports to get back and excited to talk a little bit about Notre Dame football. All right. And, yeah, on the topic of Notre Dame football, um, I mean, it has been a relatively <laughs> slow news off season, just given um, the cancellation and postponement of – you know, operations due to the coronavirus pandemic. But this is the week of the 2020 NFL draft. So a lot of the conversation this week is surrounding uh, those Notre Dame players that are entering the draft this year. Um, and so that's really the conversation I wanted to have with, with you all today. So to start it off, um, in your opinion – how many Notre Dame players do you think are going to end up being selected in the 2020 NFL draft? Uh, let's start with Connor. Um, I have seven. Um, Matt, Aquara, Claypool, Pride, uh, Kareem, Gilman, and Elliott are the seven that I think will be taken. And I think, you know, guys like Fink and Jones and stuff will sign as undrafted free agents. But um, I, I think there'll be seven taken in the draft. All right, I'm I'm on the same page as you, and I, I, I get a feeling that we're all going to agree. Does anyone else think that there will be less than seven, more than seven? I think the safe bet is six. Um, but then the reason I say seven is I think out of Elliott and Jameer Jones, um, obviously to a, a lesser extent, and then like Asmar Bilal and Tony Jones and Chris Fink, I think – there's a safeness there to say one of those guys for sure gets drafted. And the reason I put Elliot in that group is uh, there's been, you know, there's kind of been some talk that the combine really hurt his stock, but I think him being a three-year starter at safety and showing the athleticism and, you know, twitchiness to his game that he actually has, I have a hard time believing that he's 
going to fully fall off. But then again, it happened to Tavon County, which I wasn't expecting either. So, Jason, how about you? Are you, you along the same lines? I am roughly along the same lines. I would set the line at six just because I think this draft's going to be like very unpredictable. You have guys that are for sure getting drafted, right? You have Claypool, Komet, Kareem, McQuarrie. Those guys are getting drafted essentially no matter what. But, you know, Gilman, I think, is getting drafted. Um, there's an outside chance maybe he doesn't. And, if you know, I'm, I'm really thinking that this is going to be a weird draft, weirder than normal. You know, drafts are always a little bit weird. But um, – <clears throat> and we were talking about Elliott as well. I think there's a, a solid chance Elliott gets drafted. It's probably a 50-50. And then, you know, you're talking about guys like Tony Jones. It's a possibility. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably set it at six with the hope that there's seven. All right. And Matt, so let's go, Matt, um, if the line was six and a half for you on the under, or are you on the over? I'm going over. I actually believe eight and possibly nine get drafted. Oh, wow. Um, I do think that Fink gets drafted. I think that the comp for Fink is still, um, I think it's Hunter Renfro. Renfro went in the fifth a couple years ago out of Clemson. And if you look at Fink's numbers, even though his combine wasn't, quite as stout he wasn't quite as fast as he looked all of his numbers smashed Renfro's and Renfro went fifth round to the to the Raiders so and he's been he's been fairly solid he was solid for him so I don't think it's a a reach Uh, the the only thing that might be stacked against him is how deep this draft really is at wide receiver Um, you know that may be the thing and the other guy that I could potentially put in there at, at nine is, is Jones, but it's not Tony Jones. Uh, I think Jameer Jones may surprise somebody and actually get picked uh, seventh round. All right. Yeah, I think especially when, when it comes to those later rounds, at least for me personally, when we try to project what teams are going to do, it's it's always uh, tougher to, to kind of set that stuff in stone. But I, I think I'm along the same lines as, as a couple of you guys where I think Seven is, is a good number and, and a safe bet. So if that line was six and a half, I, I would go over as well. So I think, Mason, you touched on this a little bit as far as um, uh, those four players that are probably shoo-ins to get drafted a little bit early on in Komet, Claypool, Aquar, and Kareem. So let's go with if you had to pick one Notre Dame player that you think is going to be selected first, um, that you feel confident being picked first from the group, who would that be? If I had to, okay, let's see. I'm going to go with Komet. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that with a uh, need at tight end, I realize I left pride off that list. I'm for sure getting drafted. I think pride for sure gets drafted as well. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Komet purely because I think he's a generational tight end talent. He's going to have a lot of success in the NFL. I think he's a surefire hit, too. He's not a guy that has many question marks. So, yeah, I think he – whether it's to the to the Patriots or to the Packers, there's a lot of teams in the end of the first round with a need at tight end. All right. And, Nathan, how about you? Who would be selected first? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Me and, me and um, Mason were on uh, the Mark Rogers TV broadcast yesterday, and we both, we both said Aquara. <laughs> Um, and it's funny because I just figured Mason would stick with Aquara, and I was actually going to bring up Komet. Um, just kind of reading the reading some stuff the last couple of days, um, it's starting to really get the vibe that those two guys are going to go higher than maybe some people think. 
Um, and I think that's probably because this year more than most is they have to go by game tape more than, you know, the, the, the combine results, the pro day results, the, you know, in-person meeting results and stuff like that. And I think, um, a guy like Komet being, you know, likely, or at least very close to the top tight end in the draft, um, I think it's going to be hard to pass him up in the first round if uh, for some of those needy teams on the back end, like the, like the Green Bay Packers, the Patriots, possibly. Um, yeah, no. So I mean, I would probably argue Komet as well. How about you, Matt? Um, I would. I'm going to go Okwara. Um, although I do believe uh, I'm going to put this out there. I think that Claypool's the most talented of all of them. I just think that 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 wide receiver class is so. This may be one of the most elite receiver classes that we see in our lifetime, and and there's been some good ones. This one is just so loaded uh, that I think he falls, and that's not an indictment on him. But I just think the the pass rusher is extremely thin. Um, Okwara in in his quasi pro day uh, was pretty impressive. Um, you know, he's he's showing that I, I think the injury concerns behind it. There's, there's outside of really Chase Young and uh, Epineza um, and, and really uh, Gross Matos. I'm um, trying to think of who else. Chase on. What's that? Kalevon Chase on. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, but there's really, I mean, we're, we're usually the, the first round of the draft is, is elite pass rushers. There's not that group of people this year. I mean, it's, it's really wide receivers, tackles and, and quarterbacks that I think are going to be the name of the game. So I think he goes, uh, Komet, I wouldn't be surprised. He's obviously pretty much the unanimous top tight end pick. It's, uh, you know, I could see him. I predicted him going pretty high to, I think Dallas. Um, you know, I don't know if that'll actually be the case, but especially now that some of the guys, you know, I think there's a little bit of a movement that somebody like Ruiz out of Michigan could go because Dallas lost Frederick. I retired. So I don't know. I, I, I could see Komet. I wouldn't be shocked, but uh, I, I think it's either Komet or, or Okwar. All right. And finally, Connor, who do you have as the first Notre Dame player being selected in this draft? Um, I think I'm pro- like 60, 40 on the, the Komet side. I mean, I think kind of the similar sentiment that Matt just said with it not being a, a super deep um, class of pass rushers, you know, the same. I think it's not a super deep tight end class. And, and Komet being kind of that that top, you know, generally seen as the top guy at tight end, um, I think he has a better chance to go before Aquara. But then, you know, I mean, obviously you never know what drafts are going to slip and – I think if Komet, you know, gets to near the end of the first round, I mean, then at that point, I think it becomes, you know, kind of a toss-up. If you if he doesn't take, go in the first round, I mean, the Bengals have the 33rd pick, Carolina has the 38th pick, and they're both tight end needing teams. You know, someone like the Colts at pick 34, you know, they could take Aquara, you know, at the beginning of the second round. So, um I think I, if I was betting, I'd put it on Komet. But like I said, the the longer he doesn't go, then obviously I think the chances are kind of split down the middle. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, again, am in agreement with most of you. I'm kind of in the same boat as, as Nathan. I was anticipating that I would get more Claypool and Aquara answers from you. So I had Komet written down thinking I, I could – 
add some add some variance and uh, <laughs> uh, we could have a little bit of debate. But yeah, I think when as far as just pure NFL prospects, um, I think Komet is is the best of that group. Um, it but at the end of the day, when it comes to the draft, it may like just come down to just need as far as where where teams are picking. So um always tough to <clears throat> tough to predict but i if i had to make a choice i'd i'd go with commit as well all right now let's th- let's talk about draft stock for these players so since the conclusion of the 2019 season um going through the combine and all that in your guys's opinion whose stock has risen the most uh, mason let's start with you on this one i think it's an easy one it's troy pride he didn't have the best season for Notre Dame necessarily. He's not the best cover corner. He has track star speed, but he didn't necessarily get to show it. He didn't really get to show it throughout his Notre Dame career, to be honest. But in the senior bowl, he really got his chance to shine, locking down uh, receivers such as Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC, regarded as one of the best wide receivers in the nation. And I think his his stock rose a ton. I highlighted this in my uh, Look at the Cornerbacks article I just published on Slap the Sign just this past week talking about what Notre Dame lost in Troy Pride as a corner. I'm not sure Notre Dame used his talents effectively, and I really think that an NFL team is going to take their shot on Troy Pride's speed and just hope that he develops more into a covered corner. And if not, you know, corners come a dime a dozen. So if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But he has a ton of upside, and he definitely had his stock rise a ton purely from that senior bowl, even though he didn't run – the fastest, uh, the fastest forty time in the combine. I think there's a potential that he goes in the second or third round, depending on the cornerback need. All right, Connor, how about you? Who do you think has whose draft stock has risen the most? In the um, I thought you know what Mason said was with Troy Pride was a, a good answer. I think you know to me it, it's it's Claypool. I mean, I think you can make the argument that he he wrote his draft stock the most throughout the season with how he played. Um, but I think, you know, at the combine, similar to, to Boykin last year, how, I mean, everyone, I mean, he was on the radars and then, you know, he puts up that 40 and he's in the top, you know, five or 10 of all the receivers and, and all these, and all the other, um, you know, measurables and his size and his, his speed kind of just, you know, kind of passing that eye test and, and checking all those boxes at the combine, um, I mean, I think that alone, I mean, kind of, you know, brought him into that conversation. And especially, you know, with such a deep wide receiver class, he, he put himself in that conversation with with some of the best that, you know, maybe he's closer to that level than what was previously thought. So, um, you know, I thought, I thought, I mean, you could make the case, like Mason said, for Troy Pride or, you know, even Julian Aquara, you know, throughout the season and stuff. But I think Claypool kind of similar to what Boykin did last year. He kind of put himself in that discussion of, you know, some of the, the best of the best as far as wide receivers go in this, in this class. All right. And Matt, how about you? Yeah, I, I've got to agree with Claypool. I mean, I, I kind of – I thought he would have a – even before the combine, a, a Boykin-like moment. I mean, he just showed it. I don't think he, he really caught a lot of attention, despite the fact that Notre Dame plays on a national stage all the time. I just don't think that people appreciated how good he really was and how clutch. I think that, unfortunately, that's happened with a, a number of the, the more recent wideouts at, uh, at Notre Dame. But 
you know, we, there was some talk. He, I mean, he came in obviously 10 pounds heavier than, than he was at the senior bowl and he just looked shredded. And then there was the question of, Hey, does he go to tight end? Does he go to wide receiver? And everything was kind of predicated on his speed. And, and he just, I mean, his speed was incredible. Um, and I just think that people started looking at this guy like, oh, my God, you got this big body guy who's super athletic with, with great hands. And I definitely think it boosted it. Um, again, you know, there's some elite guys, the likes that we may not have seen, you know, and, and, and some of these guys are going to be generational talents. I think he could be up there with them. I think he could be the guy that really surprises people. Um, I mean, you've got the C.D. Lambs, the, the Jerry Judys, uh, the Henry Ruggs, those guys that everybody's kind of really high on. But I, I don't think Claypool, the, the difference between those guys and Claypool is quite as extreme as people think. I, I think that his, you know, and I, I know we're going we're gonna to kind of touch on this, but, you know, the, the fact that he could play tight end, that, that you know, he's, he's the hybrid. You're, you're seeing guys like Evan Ingram uh, become more of the uh, the the new age tight end in, in the NFL, uh, the Jordan Reeds, the guys that are super fast, a little bit bigger than a tight end or than a wide receiver, but, you know, just can do elite things. I, I think he helped his stock the most. All right. And finally, Nathan, which Notre Dame player do you think has trended up the most? Yeah, I, I think I lean a little bit more towards what Matt and Connor were saying. Um, I think Notre Dame fans have this image in their head of pride because he had this elite track speed and so on and so forth. And he wasn't necessarily always the best player um, on the field, but people forget that a corners go, go quickly in the NFL draft almost every year. You know, you're going to see, you know, 10, 15 corners in the top couple rounds. Um, And then he did have that elite speed. So I think, I think NFL scouts and, um, and, you know, and teams had Troy pride on their list more so than maybe the average fan did um, with Claypool. It's kind of like what Matt said. I think the idea of that, that he could play the Y tight end or the, you know, the flex tight end role um, and be good at that. I think, I think there's definitely um, that that's helped his draft stock. Obviously, um, you know, the season he had helped his draft stock as well. And I, and I, and I, I agree with Matt in the sense that I do think he, he's even, almost even now he's still overlooked a little bit. I think he, if you, if he were to be drafted as like the fourth wide receiver in this class, I don't think many Notre Dame fans would argue with that, but you tell other people and it, and it's, and, you know, it's, and it's kind of like, Oh, does he really deserve that? But you look at his stats this year, he, the guy had, you know, 13 touchdowns or whatever it was over a thousand yards. And he had one of the best, you know, wide receiver seasons, um, you know, that Notre Dame's had in the last 10 years. So, no, I mean, I, I definitely think it's Claypool when you look at, um, especially with how deep the wide receiver class is as a whole, he kind of cemented himself from like maybe a top 20 guy to possibly a top five to 10 guy. Yeah. And I, I think I'm, I'm, with Nathan, Matt, and Connor on this one. Um, yeah, I, as far as since the conclusion of the 2019 season, um, Claypool, his draft stock has just gone through the roof. Um, and like Nathan mentioned, in a very competitive wide receiver class. Um, and Matt, you alluded to this a little bit, so we'll start with you on this next one. There has been talk about Claypool possibly transitioning to the tight end position at the next level. Um, 
do you see any merit in that? Do you think it's going to happen, or do you think he's going to stay put? I think that's an interesting question. I mean, you, I'm a Giants fan, so I've seen you know (laughs) some of what Evan Ingram can do when he's healthy. Um, It's tough, man. The guy's a matchup problem across the board, and and. As a Giants fan, I would love to have Claypool on that team with Ingram and some of the other guys they have. He, I think he can play both. I think he's got the ability. And, and, you know, back to our earlier discussion, if he came off the board as the first guy uh, from Notre Dame and he was drafted as a tight end, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I mean, I'm looking at him as more of a wide receiver. I think he put some of the tight end uh, discussion to bed with his elite speed, uh, his elite time in the 40. Um, but, I mean, he's got the build. He's, he, he definitely can do it. And he, he's actually bigger and faster than, than um, Ingram is. And Ingram was uh, – he was a first-round draft pick for the Giants, obviously. I mean, it was a later first round. But I, I think he could do it. I don't see any reason why he couldn't. Um, so it'll be interesting, and, and it, it could end up being a thing that surprises us all where he comes up the board a lot earlier than we think. All right, so let's go from one Giants fan to another. Connor, your <laughs> thoughts on Claypool possibly uh, transitioning to well, like Like Matt said, I mean, we've, we've seen the, the Evan Ingram um, experiment and how that's, you know, what he's done on the field when he is healthy. And I think with that question, I think it just kind of depends on, you know, what – what do we mean as him as a tight end? I mean, if he, if they're, if a team's going to draft him just to put his hand in the dirt and block just as much as they ask him to go run routes, I mean, I think that's just wasting talent. But if they wanted to draft him, you know, and, and put him in that slot and that, that role where like an Evan Ingram lines up at where, um, you know, linebackers are not, you know, true corners don't have to guard him and, it, you know, outside linebackers and guys will have to cover him. I mean, I, I could absolutely see that being an option and, and using them kind of in interesting ways to use that size and speed to your advantage. Um, but like I said, when I when I first read that, you know, saw that stuff, I in my head I was just thinking of, you know, him in a three-point stance and, you know, trying to, you know, down block Khalil Mack or something. And I just don't know. If, I just, I'm not sure if that's I'd love to see that. 100%, um, you know, the smartest thing to do with, I'm not saying he can't do it, but just, I mean, his whole life he's played on the outside. He's a, you know, big body guy, but that's a lot easier said than done to, you know, ask a guy to switch positions like that. And, um, so, I mean, I think there's something there. I think it depends on how he's used and how that's described as a tight end. Yeah. Matt, I, uh, I will say that, um, you know, we alluding to the blocking, uh, Connor brings up a good point with that. Evan Ingram is not a good blocker. Uh, anybody that watched the Giants game, he was like a turnstile, uh, which was pretty much their entire offensive line this year, too. Claypool's a, he's a damn good blocker. Uh, the guy can block. There's no doubt about that. So I could see him actually being better than Ingram in a lot of ways because I, I think he – I agree. Uh, putting his hand in the dirt and having him be an extra blocker would, would be a complete waste of his talent. But I also think that he can do it a lot better than some of these other guys who came in as tight ends. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. That's all I had to add to that. All right. Nathan, what about your thoughts on Claypool possibly moving from wide receiver to tight end? 
Yeah, and I echo a lot of what Matt and Connor are saying here. I mean, if you, I think you just, I think it's going to, a lot of it's going to depend on what team he gets drafted mm-hmm. by. Um, if he go, if he goes to like, for example, my Bears, who kind of, who might have a need at that flex, you know, big <clears> slot, <throat> you know, why, why position tight end, um, you know, then he could play there. Uh, but I think there's a lot of teams that would draft him as a wide receiver as well. So I think it's definitely going to be based off, you know, more of the scheme that he gets drafted into. Um, but, but no, I mean, bl- blocking's not an issue. Um, it's like they said, if you, if you're going to put him in line and make him like a, a true tight end, then, then he's going to have problems with blocking because he'll be blocking guys like Khalil Mack, Von Miller, et cetera. Uh, and that's not what he's meant for it. For him, it's more going to be, you know, against the run. Is he going to be able to block a linebacker, um, a safety guys like that, where he's, you know, essentially looks like he's running a route until it becomes a run play. Um, and that's that's where he's going to be a good blocker, where he can get out and extend against corners, safeties, and, and linebackers. So no, I mean, I, I think it definitely depends on the scheme, and I think a good offensive coach will be able to scheme him in no matter what position he's in. And finally, Mason, do you have any other thoughts to add on Claypool's path in the NFL? Yeah, I think they pretty much hit the nail on the head. You got to hope that he goes to a place where they're going to use him effectively. I don't necessarily think that when these GMs and coaches are looking at Claypool's tape, whether they're necessarily thinking of him as a wide receiver or a tight end, but just a pure weapon on offense, a guy that's a matchup nightmare. No matter where you put him, he's causing problems on the field. As I saw, where Notre Dame lined him up in different spots, and he just torched everyone, whether it's physically with uh, just pure power or speed. So I think um, whether he bounces around from tight end to outside wide receiver or or so be it, I think he's just a a matchup nightmare. And I think there's a solid shot that he goes in the first round, just depending on if a team wants to reach for him because they see that much potential in him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, kind of like how we've seen the NBA move to quote unquote positionless basketball, I think offensive in, in the NFL are, at least as far as pass catchers on the field, are, are kind of moving that same way. You see lots of offenses um, utilize running backs, tight ends, and um, all different types of wide receivers in their sets. And so I think a guy like Claypool just brings value to your offense. Uh, one thing I will add um, is that when I, when I talked to, to Anthony Fasano, it was probably a little more a month ago, um, and I, I asked him the same question because it was right around the time when people were starting to talk about this, and he kind of scoffed at it a bit, which I thought was a little surprising because he was just like, he was like, no way. He's like, he's like, I'm a tight end. I know what tight ends need to do. Like a wide receiver can't be a tight end, just kind of like matter of factly. And while I I am kind of on the the side of I think he should stay at wide receiver. Um, my reasoning for thinking that is just he's just a damn good wide receiver. Like <laughs> like there's no reason to try and uh, move make a transition to a different position when you've proven to be effective at at one position. So I mean, it, time will tell. Um, and I think uh, a lot well of what uh, Nathan mentioned. Uh, it depends on the team that, that picks them and, and their needs on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but it's definitely going to be an interesting storyline to follow. So the last topic I, I did want to talk about. Oh, wait, sorry, Nathan. Do you have something to add? I, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned, um, you know, I lost my train of thought. I'm going to be honest with you. If you want to move on, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Classic, Cla- dude. Seriously though, there's a, cl- a classic me move right there. 
Yeah, so for, for the audience listening, we are doing this all over the phone, so there is no uh, visual cues. So it's, there's been some hurdles, um, but we're, we're doing the best we can. Uh, but yeah, so the last, the last topic I wanted to talk God, about. That makes all... me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> the last topic I did want to talk about with you all is uh, just thinking about which – Notre Dame player we all think is going to have the most immediate impact in the NFL. Um, and that can not only just in terms of pure playing time, but as, as far as like an actual impact on the field for a team, um, Matt, let's start uh, with you. On, on that one, I think the learning curve uh, for the tight end uh, is, is a little bit more plug and play. I, I think it's rare. I mean, we look at what like Boykin did last year with Baltimore. He, he didn't do a whole lot. He wasn't a lot of the, the wide receivers very, very rarely are they prominently featured in their year one. So while I think that Claypool is immensely talented, I don't expect it to be a big impact next year. Uh, Okwara, <clears throat> I, I still think he has some, some technique things to, to work on a little bit. Um, you know, uh, the other guys have some question marks. I think it'll be later round. I, I'm just going with, with Komet. I think he's plug and play. You know, he's a guy, he's a big guy that you just find him across the middle of the field. I, I just think that that position doesn't require quite the learning curve as some of the other ones. So it's it's not an indictment on any of the other guys and their talent. I just think that right out of the gate, that's that's probably the, the position that's a little bit easier to just kind of go right into day one and, and thrive. All right. And Mason, who do you think will make the most immediate impact? I'm actually going to disagree with Matt. I think a tight end is difficult. I had I did a couple mock drafts last season, and I had TJ Hawkinson as a guy in Detroit that, you know, they're a throwing offense that would have a great season, and he didn't do that. So I think he's similar to Komet. I think Hawkinson probably have a better career as a tight end just because I think he's a generational talent. But um, <clears throat> I think it is Claypool just purely because of the weapon standpoint that I mentioned before. I think teams want to use him as a weapon. They want to use him immediately, especially if he goes to a contender that can really use a second or third wide receiver. I, I really think Claypool will have a great rookie season and then just continue on an upward trend from there. All right. And Connor, your um, Similar. I'm kind of a little torn between uh, Komet and Claypool too. I think there's some merit to what Matt and Mason both said about um, kind of the tight end, how I think – I think a lot of it will depend on where they get drafted. Um, I think Claypool, I think, you know, with the, the the passing offense that we're in, the passing style of the NFL, and I think we're seeing more wide receivers make bigger impacts in year one. Um, like last year, I mean, you know, as a Giants fan, Darius Slayton, but DK Metcalf and McLaurin with Washington. And um, so I think a lot of it is, is kind of where he – where they end up um, – I will say with Claypool, though, I feel like um, he's not, you know, a true wide receiver one. Um, you know, at least he won't not right off the bat. I think he's going to be like one of those, you know, a big body guy, a red zone target, a, a flex guy. Um, not to say that, you know, he still won't have a, a big impact or but um, the guys I just mentioned that had big years last year as rookie receivers were kind of the, the go to guys for their team. Um, so, I mean, with that being said, I think I want to just lean more towards Komet because if he, if he goes to a, if he goes to a team that has a tight end need that, 
or, you know, and a lot of teams do. And, and like I said, the, the passing nature of the NFL, the tight ends are going to be used. So um, I think there's a better chance that Komet would be the number one, you know, receiving option for a team that need him as a tight end more so than Claypool being the number one receiving option for a team that used him as a wide receiver. So I think with that, I would lean towards Komet. All right. And and Nathan, who do you have as being the quickest Notre Dame player to make an impact? Right before before I comment on that, I kind of remember what I was going to say, so I'll just I'll say it real quick. <laughs> um, yeah. It was actually something you mentioned about how you were you were saying that Claypool is just a really damn good receiver, and that where you leave him there. I think part of the reason why people like moving him to tight end, or at least in like that flex tight end role, is kind of what we were saying earlier that he kind of came onto the scene, at least the NFL draft or the um, you know, all these mock drafts and stuff like that. He came onto the scene a little bit later than maybe your, your average guy, like a Jerry Judy. So now people are trying, they're like, Oh, okay, here's this new guy. Now we, now we see that he can get up to 240 and still look good. Let's, let's find other positions for him to make him a, a weapon. And I think that sometimes people just try to get too cute and that's kind of where Claypool is, even though I think we all agree that he'd probably shine in a role like that if they use him properly. Um, and going off of that a little bit, I think that's sort of why um, I, earlier on Matt mentioned how he thought Chris Fink had a good shot at getting drafted. Um, because of Renfro, I think Renfro, for whatever reason, you know, he went to Clemson, he won a national championship. He had this hype about him that Fink has never really had on the national scale. And that's why I have like my doubts that Chris Fink gets drafted. And it's just one of those things where it's sort of a, um, you know, who, you know, I guess kind of like in any job you get, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily have to interview. And I think that was sort of the Renfro of it. Um, getting to the point of what you asked, um, I'm actually going to go a different route here. Um, I think Komet has a little rawness to his game. Um, and I agree with Mason. I think tight ends don't necessarily transition great. Um, you know, their first couple of years, it usually takes them a little bit, so I'm not going to go there. Um, and then I think, uh, Claypool and, um, yeah, so mostly Claypool, I think, I mean, I think there's still a little rawness to his game as a receiver. I mean, obviously he's going to make a big impact on special teams. So I think there's a good chance he makes an impact that way, obviously early on. Um, I'm actually going to go with Khalid Kareem. I know he doesn't have the highest upside of, um, you know, of the guys in the draft. He's probably going to be drafted somewhere in that third, fourth, maybe fifth round range. But I think he's the most physically, um, physically ready and probably the most ready from a, uh, um, from a, from a not being raw. So he's, he's already kind of polished. Um, I, and then I would argue Aquara as well, even though Aquara has some things to work with or uh, has some, some things to work on, you know, you can't teach guys that can come off the edge as fast as he does. So I, it wouldn't really surprise me if in his first or second year, he's putting up 10 to 12 sacks simply because the team he gets drafted to puts him in good situations on third down. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a, a common thread uh, based on all your answers is that there is a lot of it will depend on the, the teams that these guys end up being drafted to. Um, I mean, y- you can look at the talent of a player like Met or a player like Claypool and say, yes, they're going to bring value to an offense. But if they're on a team that doesn't have a great quarterback or isn't necessarily a balanced offense, then, you know, it doesn't really matter how good they are. They're 
just probably not going to have the same production as they would if they were on a better offense. It's um, I think in that aspect, it kind of benefits these guys that maybe they're not, <laughs> um, I mean, and this sounds kind of backward to say, it's like, maybe it benefits them that maybe they're not like the, you know, the top 10 type players in this draft because they do have a better chance of going to a better team, um, at least in the, in the current state. Um, so there, there's that, but then also you think, when you look at the defensive end or the edge position, that's also an impact position as well. So like Nathan was saying, Aquar and Kareem, I could easily see one of those guys being the first to um, the first out of this group to, to have, you know, what we would call like an actual impact for a team. Um, so yeah, it's a definitely <laughs> still a little bit up in the air, but um, I, I think there's a, a good case to be made for all those players we talked about. Um so I know I did say this was the last topic, but we'll do a little bonus question for you all. Um, just general thoughts as far as where you guys see um, being the best fits for, for some of these Notre Dame players. Um, and Connor, we can start with you on this um, one. Yeah. So, I mean, I think obviously the consensus or a lot of those mock drafts have Komet going to the Patriots at 23. Um, obviously, you know, he's got the same build as Rob Gronkowski. He, um, kind of checks a lot of those same boxes as him, and the Patriots kind of had a a hole there with you know Gronkowski now being traded or retiring um, last year. Um, so I could definitely see that fitting in well with Kamed. Also Chicago, I know that would make Nathan happy. Um, I know they they just signed Jimmy Graham, but I think you know he would he would fit well there. Um, and then I can just, I guess for me personally, I think for Julian Aquara, um, I can, I don't know. I just, I can see him from getting taken by the Colts. Um, they need a pass rusher. Um, they kind of have, they have the 34th and the 44th pick. So they kind of have those um, early middle second round picks that he could probably still be available at. Um, so those are kind of two that, that I see for the, the teams that kind of fit where they, where they would fit best at. Uh, I agree. Matt, how uh, about you? You know, what I, I think I'll, you know, I was, I was going to touch on this. Um, you know, obviously Nathan had mentioned that, um, you know, he, the learning curve might be a little bit easier for him because he's a speed rusher. I also don't discount the, the fact that his older brother plays in the NFL he's going to be able to kind of coach him along a little bit more. Uh, with that said, uh, there is a need at defensive end for Detroit. And I can see them selecting him early in the second round and uh, putting him opposite his brother, which would be pretty awesome. But it would also allow him to kind of mentor. And, and there is a need there. And it is somebody that I believe they've talked to and interviewed. So there's some interest there. So I can see Detroit kind of being a um, – you know, a, a good landing spot for Okwara. Um, Komet, I could see, you know, really Dallas uh, with Witten moving on, and uh, they only have Blake Jarwin. Uh, as much as I don't want him to go to Dallas, I could see that being a place. I could see the Bears, even though they have Jimmy Graham, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Nathan, but it's just a one-year deal, correct? It's technically a two-year deal, but they have good outs for a while. Okay, I can still see him being the guy that maybe, you know, maybe kind of mentors under him and is the future. I mean, Graham's a little bit long in the tube. Um, 
and obviously the Patriots make sense there. Um, Claypool, I think the most sense makes the Giants. You know, I think you should be with the Giants. There's no doubt about <laughs> it. There is no other team that really. <laughs> yep, yep. Homer alert. So, no, I mean, it, it, uh, any team could use somebody of his talent. So I, I don't know. Uh, I will say, I think that uh, back to an earlier point with with that Nathan made. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kareem uh, uh, be that guy that really does dominate and surprise people. I, I could see him being a steal. He just seems like he's got the, the makeup. The other guy that's kind of like that, that just somehow finds a way to, to get by, is Gilman. If, if all of a sudden Gilman just came into the league and, and took off, even though he doesn't have the real physical attributes, that could definitely – I don't know that any of us here would be super surprised by that. So, Nathan, Nathan, how about you? I know um, a couple of those, those guys touched on the Bears a little bit. Anything you'd like to add there? Um, so, it's weird. I, uh, I've been waiting for the Bears to draft a Notre Dame guy for a while. Uh, they've, had a few, they've had a few guys on their roster, you know, later on in their careers, like a Jimmy Clausen or a Tom Zibikowski and stuff like that. Um, but it's weird. This, this draft actually matches up well with their needs. Uh, the Bears need a corner opposite of Kyle Fuller. They need a safety opposite of Eddie Jackson. Um, so I could see them maybe looking at Pride or Elliott or, or Gilman. Um, you know, they, they've been – you know, they um, – Ryan, Ryan Pace always looks for more pass rushers, so I wouldn't be surprised if they, they looked at Aquara. Um, I don't think Kareem's really a, a good fit for them for their scheme overall. Um, and obviously, Komet being the hometown kid, um, Jimmy Graham's not going to prevent them from gr- grabbing a tight end. I mean, they just released Trey Burton, so that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, and then Claypool, if they like the Y, you know, like the Y tight end position. Uh, but no, some of the things that stuck out for me, uh, Clay, Claypool, I think the 49ers are a good match. The Chiefs are a good match. Um, the Bills, uh, I, I know they have Diggs and uh, John Brown, but they could really use a guy that that's bigger and more physical and maybe even plays more slot for them. Um, Aquara has always kind of reminded me of one of those Ravens pass rushers that gets, you know, picked in the first second, uh, you know, first, second round that ends up being a really good player. Um, and then Kareem, I think he's more of a, I don't know if I have a specific team for him, but any team that runs more of a traditional four, three, or, you know, maybe that's Stefan Tuit role with Pittsburgh where he can kind of line up inside as a three tech and, and beef up a little bit. I could see that too. Um, but I don't know if any specific teams that I would necessarily match with Kareem per se. Mason, how about you? Where do you see the best fits? Yeah, I think everybody just about nailed it. Didn't really leave me much to comment on. Um, for some reason, like when I'm going through mocks, I, I've made a, a handful of my own, as I mentioned. <clears throat> I always seem to find Komet going into the, the late first round to the Packers. I think that's a great fit with Aaron Rodgers. I think uh, <clears throat> being the receiving tight end that he is, Rodgers loves the, the tight end position throwing to him. So yeah, other than that, I think everybody else, I wrote down a list and everybody else nailed what I said. So I'll just leave it <laughs> All there. right. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's, it's easy to, like for this question, like for myself, I'm, I'm obviously looking at it through the, the lens of like the NFL teams that I root for, which is the Dolphins and the Rams. And the Rams, I mean, I think they – I could see them uh, looking to add a defensive end at some point in the draft. I don't know how early they'd be willing to, to go for it because they also don't have a ton of picks. I, I don't think they pick until uh, late in the second. 
Um, so, I mean, they, they should have options or at least the, the chance to take an Aquara or a Kareem if they do want to. Um, and then outside of that, I, I, I am kind of holding out hope that, that one of these uh, defensive guys ends up uh, in L.A. playing for the Chargers as well just to just add another domer to the Chargers to go along with Tranquil Tillery and Rochelle. Yeah, you got to keep your eye on the Vikings and the Lions there too. They seem to always have a lot of domers. One of the one of the yeah, teams yeah. I had written down for Kareem is just I don't know, just was Seattle. I mean, I just think like you, we talked about Kareem being one of those. You know, his stock might have fallen a little bit, and maybe he might be there in the third or the fourth. And, you know, I just think about the division that Seattle's in with you know now Kyler Murray and Goff and Russell Wilson and or not well Russell Wilson plays for Seattle. I mean. So. <laughs> He's not stacking his own quarterback. Hey, practice. In practice. Um, I meant uh, Garoppolo. Um, so I just think of the quarterbacks in that division and, you know, kind of that low-risk, high-reward guy. And, and Kareem, I think, could, could fit that. And and then when you um, – Jack, when you mentioned the, the Dolphins, that's one of the teams I could see Gilman really um, fitting in with. I guy that he's he always finds a way around the football he makes you know he causes turnovers he forces big plays and you know the Dolphins are a team that you know obviously on defense they are not very good and on the back end especially and um and that's I guess same with the Eagles too um you know they just lost Malcolm Jane he can kind of feel that and a lot of problems in the passing game and force fumbles and stuff so I think those those two teams they are or seem like good fits for Gilman. Yeah, agree. Um, all right. Well, I think that will conclude it for us on today's podcast. Uh, thank you all for taking the time out to talk a little NFL draft with me. I, I really appreciate it and hope we can get you all back on the podcast again sometime soon. Uh, and for all you Irish fans listening, uh, be sure to to check these guys out um, on slopdesign.com. Um, they all do some some really great work, and I'll be sure to to add their handles when I tweet out this podcast episode as well. Thank you. So thanks again, fellas. Yep, thanks for having us. Thanks, Jack. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Slauncher Route. For all information about upcoming episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at the Slauncha Route, all one word, and Slauncha is spelt S-L-A-I-N-T-E. Until next time, go Irish!